All right, everybody. Welcome to the 1MC. It's our pilot show. This is Keith. I know it says with Keith and Shannon. Shannon is out right now living her best life. Uh, so we got a special guest with us. Uh, we'll introduce him here, here shortly. Um, but I appreciate everybody coming by. Um, this is our pilot episode, as I said. Uh, we got a Facebook group. We're going to be starting to hit the socials up. Uh, so make sure you tune in with us and uh, hit all those socials. Give us some feedback. Let us know. Uh, what you guys want to talk about out there on the deck plates. Uh, but a quick introduction of myself. Hey, I'm Keith. Um, been in the Navy about 21 years now. Current CWO2, serving on board USS Essex as the Information Systems Officer, a.k.a. ADP Officer. Uh, so I've, I've done about six ships, a couple of short duties, Naples, did Bahrain, or that's mandatory. Got to hit Bahrain at least once in your life if you're in the Navy for you know 20 years or more. Uh, but seen a lot of cool things, did a lot of cool stuff. And now I just want to give back to the deck plates. And uh, I think this podcast is one of the best ways to do that. Um, so I want to kick it to our co-host uh, for the day, filling in for Shannon, uh, my boy Demire. Uh, go ahead and uh, let the folks know who you are, man, where you from, and, and what you bring to the show, man. I'm Demire. I'm a Master Chief Sonar Tech on submarines. Uh, right now, I'm stationed on USS Toledo at Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Portsmouth, Virginia. I've been stationed in Washington and here in Virginia. Soon, I'll be in Hawaii. And I'd just like to bring a different perspective coming from a different side of the Navy than most, the one of the smallest parts of the Navy. And really to just give my opinion on uh, what I think the Navy could be doing different or doing better. And just like Keith said, without the red tape, just say how I feel. All right, man. Appreciate it, man. So uh, on the Facebook page, we have uh, the 1MC. Go to your Facebook search. Uh, type in the 1MC with Keith and Shannon. And uh, you should be able to pull us up with a public group. Um on our Facebook page, I usually drop questions of the day every blue moon, every other day or so. And a lot of those questions, um, a lot of people have uh, very strong opinions about. Um, so one of the questions we had on there, uh, what's the number one priority when you're choosing orders? So a lot of people will tell you family. Uh, some people will actually be straight up with you and say, well, I'm trying to make chief. or I'm trying to make whatever that next highest pay grade is. Uh, so Demar, what, what's your what's your major priority? I saw you did. Uh, season four ships already 15 years you're a master chief so that tells me right there one thing um, no matter where you went you perform but a lot of those was arduous right sea duty um, so how, how did your family come into play what was the number one impact and priority for you as you were choosing orders so i'll say first for me uh, i haven't i haven't chosen my orders uh, all of the orders that i have executed have been given to me I didn't use, uh, what was it, CMSID before, and now it's my Navy portal. I've never got to use any of those. I've been given orders, and that could have made me callous and give me the, uh, the opinion that they are orders, not requests. And even now going to Hawaii, not a choice that I made. But what I will say is the Navy does reward those who take the hard jobs. Even now, they've started the new uh, program with the uh, advancement to senior chief or master chief based on taking those hard jobs. So I, I think that plays a big part of it, and that may have played a big part in my advancement. But along with that, it's starting with the end in mind. And if you're making a, a career out of the Navy, then the end is retirement and retirement is pension. And wouldn't you want to make the most money at the end? And then the family piece, that is your family. If we're making this investment into the Navy and accepting all the sacrifice that comes with it, then we volunteered to join the Navy. The Navy didn't volunteer to join us. So for me, it's a big thing to just do my job. And that's what I've done. I've just done 
my job, I, I think that if everyone did that and they found the benefit and reaped those rewards, then it really wouldn't matter so much. And for the family side, for me, it's not been so bad because we, we work together as a team. We make decisions together as a team and we make the decision for the, the situation that we're in. I heard a, a thing before where you, you take a situation and you call it a pot of boiling water. That's a situation. And you drop in the egg, you drop in the potato, you drop in the coffee bean. The egg is gonna get hard to meet the situation. The potato is going to get soft to meet the situation. The coffee bean is going to turn the water to coffee and make the situation. Mm. And so it's a hell of an analogy. I like that. We're definitely going to use that. (laughs) For me, it's been being the coffee bean, be the coffee and make your situation. Don't let your situation make you because this is all temporary. And I carry with me a saying that my grandfather used to say to me all the time that meant nothing to me when I was a kid, but means everything to me now. And that was control only what you own, all other things tolerate for they are temporary. Every set of orders we get has a start date and an end date, and then you do it again. Sometimes you move, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's gonna benefit your career. Sometimes it's gonna benefit your family. But if you take the two and put them together, you can benefit both every single time if you don't make yourself a victim to the situation, but instead you make the situation. No, that's a great, that's a great point you bring up. Um, A lot of people fail to realize that orders are orders. (laughs) we get to quote unquote negotiate, right? Give these wish lists out to our detailers in the Navy. Uh, a lot of people take orders based off location and trying to go to school uh, or, or whatever, you know, whatever they, they're trying to get across as far as what's going to be more convenient to them. Um, but as soon as they get orders um, and they didn't quote unquote choose it or it wasn't their first option, they're upset. And it's like, <laughs> How did you go into the military not understanding that these are orders, right? You can be sent anywhere at any given time. And, and to double back on one of your other points, the advanced position um, program, right? So uh, along those lines of people choosing orders now, they get to choose orders along with a promotion. So all of those senior chief and master chief orders I saw, those were on ships, or, or squadrons or uh, carrier strike groups going on ships. And all of those orders were open for senior chiefs and master chiefs. So you t- that tells me one thing. Nobody's choosing those orders. Nobody wants to go to sea. Nobody wants the tough billets as a senior chief or a master chief. It's just not enough people to fill those billets. So uh, I really don't understand how we're promoting people and letting them choose orders that are not critical billets at sea. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that, that process as, as people getting promoted and still being able to choose other priorities um, that's not the Navy's number one priority? What are your thoughts on that? So I'll start with a while back when CMSID first hit the ground. I was still very young in the Navy, but I remember that uh, supposedly being the end to the good old boy program, you're no longer going to get to make it to this position or your friend be the detailer or community manager. And everything's going to be based on what the Navy needs now. I am of the belief that we, we're we not short on people. Those people exist if they're advertising the billets and we can put people in. So the people exist. It's just not the right people that want to take those jobs. And I think a big part of it is a sense of entitlement. When a lot of us advance, we make chief, make senior chief, or even make master chief, and we feel this sense of entitlement or 
we've been homesteaded in one place for so long and this is just going to destroy our whole life if we have to move and we forget that we volunteered we volunteered to support and defend freedom and democracy around the world not just in virginia not just in florida <laughs> not just in washington not just in hawaii whatever the case may be and we're being allowed to do that right. i have a, i have another saying that i say all the time and that is a sailor is only going to do what you make them but a sailor will get away with whatever you let them Thanks. and we're yeah we're Thanks. e1 to o10 and so if you allow me to threaten you and say if you move me out of virginia i'm gonna retire then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to stay in Virginia. Okay. So what do you think about those that, you know, based off of what you just said, what about those who say, okay, well, family over everything. If you, if you do make me move, I'm just going to get out or I'm going to retire. or I'm going to go reserves. So as a detailer, you know, what, what do you say to a sailor who gives you that type of ultimatum? Because th don't get it twisted. They're orders, but, Sailors do have some type of leverage, especially with the economy based off their technical skills, et cetera, et cetera. What, what does the detailer say or what, you know, as their position as a detailer to keep people in and retention, all that good stuff. How does a detailer react when somebody says my number one priority in choosing these orders is my family? I don't care what you got. That's critical. Hot field. My family comes first or I'm out. What do you say to that? I will tell you, I should never be a detailer. <laughs> because I'm I'm built a little bit different and I will I'm going to give them the mission of the detailer which is to fill billets to execute the mission. That that's what they get paid to do. They get paid to fill billets to execute the mission, which if you look at all the advanced position uh billets, a majority of those are boats coming out of shipyard or boats getting ready to deploy or squadrons getting ready to deploy and they need to man those uh, ships and squadrons so that they can be ready to go to sea absolutely yep but uh me i'm gonna listen to you take it into consideration say the same thing the detailer says already i will add these notes to your profile <laughs> and then i'm gonna cut you orders if you're qualified to fill the billing. Okay, yeah, you're going to Norfolk, got it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened to most people. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to listen to the detail and give them the sweet spill like he just gave them and then Naval Station Norfolk or USS on Norfolk. I'll see you in six months out there. Good luck. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard and I get it and I understand because I've I've lived it. I've lived it and I went to Connecticut for just a few months, sold my home in Virginia, did all that good stuff, went to Connecticut. And then as soon as I get there, uh, hey, big dog, we changing home port and going to Virginia. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Right. Right. So I come back and I buy another home. I bought a house and I didn't buy a house because I wanted it to be my forever home. But I'm in Virginia. It's a lot cheaper and beneficial in the long run to pay mortgage than it is to pay rent. Absolutely. Get that. Yeah. Get that. But now I have to go through the whole motions of selling. Go through the whole motion of selling my house, getting all my household goods together, packing up and moving. Is it easy? No, not at all. But winning is hard and hard is authorized. And I'm here to win. <laughs> I'm here to win and not just for me and not just for the Navy, but for my family. Everything that we are going through, everything we're experiencing is ultimately going to be to the benefit of my family. But I got to make it that way. I can't I can't be uh, the person that goes around saying the Navy's doing me bad. The Navy's screwing me over because the Navy is an organization. The Navy is an institution and we got a mission. Big facts.
I'm not, you, you dropping some gems, man. I'm st- I'm stealing all your quotes, man. <laughs> Winning is hard, and hard is authorized. I might drop that at quarters tomorrow. That was that was a nice one. I like that. I'm definitely taking that one. Uh, so uh, speaking on real estate, living out in town, uh, I want to transition. Um, so as a as of right now, uh, my ship USS Essex, we're getting ready to head into the yards, um, and everybody's terrified. It's, <laughs> it's chaos right now, right? Everybody's terrified based off the Bon Harbor Shar fire, you know, being the same platform. Sailors living on the ship, uh, getting everything off the ship, you know, people's lives that are, you know, not married. Uh, they're getting displaced. Uh, are we going to get barracks rooms for everybody? Uh, and we also asked this question inside the Facebook group. Do a quick search on Facebook, 1MC, Keith and Shannon, It'll pull up for you. Um, everybody, you know, has their own opinion about ship people that are not married get BH. And I'm not just talking about E5s. I'm talking about everybody, right? Seaman recruits checking on board. Uh, and I got a quote from you, so I'm going to drop this quote that you dropped on the Facebook page, right? You said, everyone should get BH and be an adult. Living on the ship or in the barracks promotes dependency, immaturity, and financial irresponsibility. Can you elaborate on that? What are you thinking when you're saying that? Can you expand on that for us a little bit? What I'm saying when I say that is I'll start with a sea story, and this is not uncommon. I see it all the time. We get young adults, men and women who volunteered to serve their country, leaving home at 17, 18, 19 years old, and they join the military. And what happens a lot of time is they go from whatever their parental situation is at home to just another parental situation in the Navy. And it's called LPO, Chief, Divo, CMC. They become the parents. I've had guys show up that don't know how to do laundry. (laughs) Absolutely. They, They don't know how to run a washing machine. They don't know the difference in soap and fabric softener. They just don't know. And I feel like we would benefit so much more in maturing adults if we gave them the money, put them out in town, and gave them mentorship down that avenue instead of barracks inspections. Mm. A barracks inspection does not make anyone mature that teaches someone how to be inspection ready, which is a whole nother conversation. Oh, I was getting ready to say, because these ships, that's all we doing is getting inspection ready, not ready for it. But continue. We'll get on that a different time. But that is, that's what we're doing. You put a sailor in the barracks at 17, 18, 19, pay him two, three, four thousand dollars a month. And they're living in the barracks. They go and buy their charger, challenger, big old truck, whatever it is, 85-inch TVs, newest Xbox, whatever the gaming system may be. They get paid on the first. They're broke on the fifth with no consequence because I can eat on the ship. I can eat at the galley. And it, my rent is paid, my lights come on when I hit the switch, and water comes out of the faucet when I turn the So that's where the financial irresponsibility comes in. Then we see these same sailors, they either get E4 over 4, and then they're at Navy Marine Corps Relief Society because they don't know how to manage their finances because they've developed this lifestyle where I just got to wait until the next payday. And I think that's easier to fix in the beginning while they're adjusting to life in the Navy than for, than it would be for them to build that irresponsible lifestyle. And then it's like, now you need to be responsible because they'll just get to a point to where I can't wait to get off the ship. I can't wait to get out of the barracks. I can't wait for this, that, or the other thing and not thinking further down the road. But so, if we did, 
sooner. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. If we did it sooner, I think we could catch a lot of those problems. And instead of spending time doing barracks inspections and writing counseling chits and having people stand outside their barracks rooms, we could be spending that time sitting down with our sailors saying, this is how you make a budget. This is how you make sure your bills are paid. What does your average electric bill look like? Okay, so we need to make sure we set that amount of money aside. What's your car payment? What's your cell phone bill? Okay, this is the apartment that you can afford. Are you ready to buy a house? Let's talk about it. But instead, we're not doing that. We put them in the barracks. We inspect them. We do whatever we're going to do there. And then when they move out of the barracks, they're on uh, USS Lonely Island. And they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, they are. Um I ain't gonna lie, I was one of those sailors, you know, um, I definitely know how to do some laundry, you know, I would just throw everything in at once, <laughs> red, blue, green, white, everything, <laughs> everything goes into the same, into the same basket, I didn't care, right, um, you know, I had a, I had a tough time, man, I was one of those sailors that got, I actually got married for BH, you know, got my, um, my son's mother, uh, she got pregnant, and you know what, I paid that price until, up until tomorrow, uh, true story. My son turns 18 tomorrow. Just got finished paying child support. 18 years. So, because <laughs> we broke up really quickly after we got married, because we got married for the BH, right? You know, I was an E4, you know, and I was struggling. So I was like, man, I got to get, you know, um, I wasn't in the barracks, you know, thank God. You know, I was, you know, I was living with my, one of my buddies, but I was paying rent out of pocket. And, you know, once uh, once my son mother got pregnant, I was just like, wow, yeah, I really can't do this now. So kind of, you know, put me in a tough situation. So, you know, I made the executive decision to go ahead and get married for the BH. Um, and then, of course, you know, that helped out a lot. Uh, but of course, you know, that's a decision I made based off of the money. Um, but with the sailors living in the barracks, right, um, you got sailors that um don't potentially have the same experience uh, as a lot of the, the senior guys and giving them BH, you know, I think, I think, I think it's a caution to that. Right. And I think that because um, th those guys, I don't think throwing more money at them to be more financial, um, to be more fiscally responsible is the way to do it. I think you gotta, I think you gotta let those guys take baby steps first, because once you give a, a 19-year-old, fresh out of A school, $3,000 to say they live in a very, you know, expensive area, California, whatever. $2,500 is to, about the BH out here. And some of these kids out here are literally getting married just to get that BH. And those who don't, you know, they're living in the barracks. So I think, I think living in the barracks gives them very small responsibilities because they're still paying other things, uh, cable, internet, uh, you know, things like that, right? They're not paying rent because if you give if you give a kid 19 years old who's never budgeted their money $2,500, they're liable to not pay rent one month and just go out there and, and blow that at, at the mall uh, on some new, new tech or some new video games and then rent comes up and they're like, oh, I'm short, but I get paid on the 1st and 15th, so i just be late. And then I might put them in, even, in an even bigger hole. Um but really quickly, talking about BH, I had a guy. I had a guy that I went to the LDO Academy with. And this guy, uh, he was very, very upset. And he was upset because single guys don't get the same type of uh, benefits when it comes to things such as BH when it's time to move out in town. The single sailors weren't getting the same amount as married sailors. Um, and he have, he wrote a whole white paper on it uh, because, in you know, LDO school, we have to write white papers on one thing that really upsets us or we feel like the Navy should fix. And he was just saying he was just going on and on about how, you know, single sailors get less BH. Um, they have to live on the ship before, you know, they hit E5. But, you know, E1, uh, as long as they have a wife or a husband or whatever, they get to live off the ship and they get full BH. You know, he started going on about the family set pay and all those other things that, that come with um, uh, being a married sailor versus a single sailor. And BH was one of those key points. Um, so uh, I don't I don't necessarily believe that 
those guys should get that BH right away. Um, I don't think it should be earned, but I think there's got to be a better process when it comes to just these guys that are going into the yards or even just checking on to a ship, even if the ship is not into the yards. Because um, living on a ship can be rough. It's not the worst thing ever, but it can be rough. Um, so I, I just don't, it's just, uh, I think it's a case by case scenario. I can get on board with that. I, I agree with that. Uh, yep, I agree. Everybody's not built the same, and some people don't have that same stability. But for for me, in my opinion, I just think that if we just make it the same across the board, give everybody the same, then you don't have those. And your, your classmate at the LDO Academy – uh, brings up a conversation, or I'll call it a debate, that I have been involved in many, many, many times. And I, I agree. I, I can't justify it, and I can't make it uh, fair. We're all out there doing the same job. Why are we not getting paid the same thing? And I could just bring it all the way down to that, just make it that simple. We're doing the same job. Give us the same pay. And I think that if we did it that way, that would take away those uh, decisions that are made. I'm going to get out of barracks. I'm going to get married to exactly. get Exactly. Right. I'm going to get married because it's going to give me more money on the 1st and 15th. Exactly. I mean, that was, like I said, that was one of the reasons I got married in the beginning. I was just like, there's no way that I'm not going to get married at this point. You say you're going to give me an extra two grand a month just to sign a piece of paper and, you know, I guess play house. That's what I can basically call it. I was 20 years old. I had no idea what marriage was about, but I know I got two grand a month if I did it. <laughs> so I did it, um, you know, off the strength of that and, you know, having a kid on the way. Um, so a lot of these kids in the barracks, they can't even move out until they get qualifications. Right. And I tell you straight up, I hate that. I really hate that rule that when they check on board, they're given 10 PQSs um, and they got to do them all before they're allowed to move out of town. So don't get me wrong, right? DC, 3M, right? Um, sound of security for engineers. Stuff like that is important. Uh, but I really just disagree with the whole fact of making these guys do this before they can even apply for a barracks room, right? My thought process is we should be giving these guys barracks rooms as soon as they check in, if they're available, right? Availability, you know, big deal, right? But there shouldn't be something holding guys back as far as work-related items to get basic necessities like living, food. Are we going to start cutting off BAS and BAH for people who don't get their calls in time? I mean, like, you know, you know, I'm being sarcastic there, but uh, I just want to get your take on that because I really despise making an E1 get... 15 qualifications up to 312 investigator to move out in town and apply for, even apply for a bedroom and then wait three to six months to you know get through the wait list i just want to get your take what are your thoughts on that so that that's very interesting everything you just listed first time i've ever heard it ever in my life uh being on a submarine we're not authorized to live on the ship we only live on the, ship on the ship underway that's it Everyone gets a barracks room the day that they report. And to move out of the barracks, we don't have any requirements other than the standard E4 over 4, E5, or married, or with dependent. So that is that piece is standard, but the piece on the qualifications, that is absolutely mind-blowing. I can't believe that's happening in the Navy at all. I just can't. I can't believe it either. Right. That just rode me really raw because I think about it and these, these young men and women, they, they volunteered. They made a huge sacrifice uh, to be here. And then so now I'm going to tell you, in order for you to upgrade your standard of living or buzzword 
quality of life. Right. <laughs> <You got, laughs> to do something for the ship, you have to earn your eligibility to apply for a barracks room. I, yeah, I don't. It's get my. That. It's mind blowing to me. Yeah, it is. I don't get so that. Where? Yeah. For yeah, us, I don't get it. For us on submarines, it is if you're an, we'll call it exceptional sailor, you're getting through your qualifications, you're ahead of schedule, you prove a level of maturity. We're trying to either get you in PPV or touch it through the captain to get you out of the barracks and get you out in town. And that's an E4 over two, E4 over three. If you have demonstrated that responsibility, and that's where my whole thing lies is on the person, like you said, case by case, and that struck me in, in a real good way because that makes so much sense. But the qualifications? Yeah, I got, I walked I walk past the sailor today. Uh, this is a sailor I've been, uh, I've been standing some watches with him. You know, good kid. Um, second tour, he was a, He's a deck deck fireman. He was a fireman um, for about two years on his first at his first command, and you know he's an E four now, right? So he he's trying to route his shit up, you know, to to go out in town, and he is just like so defeated. I walk past this kid, you know, they're doing cleaning stations, right? He's scrubbing the wall in the same spot like everybody else does, just wiping the, you know wax on, wax off in the same spot for 45 minutes, right? You know, so I say, hey, you know, what's going on, buddy? You know, everything good? And you, as soon as he looks at me, it's just like his whole his whole face is just about to just drop to the floor. He's just so defeated. And I was like, hey, what's wrong, man? You know, usually, you know, a little more cheery than this. And he's just like, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> he's, that's the first thing he says to me. He doesn't say good morning. He's like, I'm over it. I'm like, oh, man, what's going on, buddy? And he's just like, I've tried to route my request to go out in town and I just cannot get it past my LPO for whatever reason. Right. And he's trying his hardest, right. He's trying to knock out the claws and, you know, it's just not, it's not working for him. Right. Three sides to every story. Right. You know, so I don't know chain of command story, but um, he's just defeated. Right. And that's just, that's just one guy, right. He's out, he's done. Right. He's tapping out. Uh, I'm not saying that, um, that's the right thing to do just because you can't get what you want or what you need at a specific point in time. But imagine how many other sailors are like that. They're just, they're just trying to do their best. And at the end of the day, he's just defeated. And that's something that we can avoid, right? Those are easy W's, you know, right? Based off of, you know, man in space in the barracks. That's an easy W. When sailors check in, get them a damn barracks room. I don't know why we holding them hostage with quals that they're going to get gun decked because they're going to get them signed off as quickly as humanly possible to get inside that barracks room. I'd rather have somebody take their time, gradually go through the basic DC-3M and all those other quals in NDOC, come out of NDOC, get into a barracks room, and then work on their quals, right? Because a wise senior chief always told me, hey, we always need peas, right? Not every sailor is going to be, uh, you know, cream of the crop, top-notch EP sailor. We need peas. Not everybody's going to be a superstar and finish all their quals in 90 days. It just doesn't work like that. But to withhold a barracks room from them for that, I just don't agree with. So so I, I say this uh, about that with, uh, with performance. You are not going to do well at work if you are not doing well outside of work. And if you never leave work, it will never get better. Yeah, I agree with that, man. That's to, that's for getting people off the ship. And then with the with the barracks, all barracks are not created equal. <laughs> that's a if, big fact, also. Yeah. If you've ever been uh, to any of the barracks on Norfolk, you got the ex barracks that are they're they're like college dorm rooms they're like apartments they're two bedroom apartments and then you go to the the R barracks over on the air side 
those are like 10 by 10 boxes with two beds where if if the guys are laying in bed, they can put their hands out and touch each other. Yeah, so and, I actually had to stay in one of those on Gilbert Street back in like the early 2000s. So I got a firm idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, that's that that's the R series all the way back. <laughs> it's terrible. Right? It was awful. And then but, it was open base showers in the showers. I was like, no curtains, no nothing. Just open base showers when you went to the shower. It was kind of it was kind of outdated. Yeah. But if you're uncomfortable all the time, that's going to affect performance. That's going to affect our ability. And uh, again, another topic, but we were doing a lot to make the Navy unattractive. And we're not giving people a reason to want to stay. And a big part of that, and the Navy already recognized it, they they put a buzzword on it, quality of life. Right. We're talking about it. What are we doing about it? Not much. And another thing, transitioning to our next topic, quality of life is if I get to work a half hour early and I beat the CO to work, right, and I ain't got nowhere to park, and I come out at lunchtime to get me something to eat and my car is gone, how the hell am I supposed to be able to get my work done for the day? Right? I want to talk about parking on naval installations. So, true story. This this happened uh, last week. One of my sailors comes into work every day, same time. Uh, Liberty expires at 07. He gets there by 6.30 every day. So, he gets to work, parks illegally, right? Parks illegally. And we'll get back to that part. So he gets to work, comes in, you know, starts his day. About 10, 30, 11, you know, lunchtime. Goes outside, car gone. <laughs> Car's just gone, right? Oh, they're towing. You know, everybody go check on your car. He goes out there, car gone, right? So he goes to the towing company that, you know, everybody on base gets towed from. His car isn't, his car isn't there. So not only did he get told, there's no record of where his car is at. So a couple of days go by, he's found a missing car, you know, stolen car report. Come to find out a few days later that they just moved his car to a different spot on the base. Right. Moved, just moved his car. And luckily for him, you know, he didn't have to pay some exorbitant fee to get his car out of some tow, some tow yard. Right. But the, the bigger point here is. Naval installations are notorious, absolutely notorious for not having enough parking. And then commands take up 20 to 30, you know, however many spots for their, you know, their third division officer, you know, you know, the triad gets one. But then you got some first tour department head who's got a parking spot. And it's just like, you know, it's the wild, wild west out there after you get past the, the designated parking. I don't even think they have cheap parking anymore. I don't even see any, um, you know, spots for CPO parking anymore. I think they got rid of that. I haven't seen it in a long time. So what are some of the experiences you've had with parking on naval installations? So I'll start with this. Another thing that is different on subways. So for, for us, reserve parking spots. And that's for the triad. Everybody else just parks. Where we run into issues, and I'll use uh, Naval Station Norfolk as easiest opportunity because it's the closest to home. But if you go come into Gate 5 and you go uh, near Pier 3 where the submarines are, you'll see this little area up at the, on the quay wall, and it has the three spots for each ship, for the CO, XO, and the COB. And then, not even 20 yards from there, it's just open parking, first come, first serve. And that's what I've always been used to. Then, I had to do business on the surface side. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the surface side. <laughs> not anything major. It's just going to the serve mark. 
going to serve mart to make a little consumables list i go over there um and there's nowhere to park every <laughs> every single parking spot has a reserved sign on it all of them terrible all of them terry seat command parking only dla parking only whatever the case may be all these parking spots all reserved and most of them empty but if you they're gonna get you right and so i don't want to break the rules and i don't want to have to figure out where my vehicle is when i get done doing whatever it is i have to do the horror stories so i keep driving until i find an unmarked spot and so i end up all the way back near the mcdonald's if you're familiar with uh with the Norfolk base, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, all that stuff back there. I end up yeah. all the way back mm-hmm. there, and I feel like I'm walking half a mile to go and do what it is that I need to do. And it, when I get back to my vehicle, when I turn and look back, and I see how far away the aircraft carriers are. <laughs> And I instantly feel horrible for all the sailors that are there. Yeah. Bring it up, talk about it at work. And, you know, everybody has their little comments about surface Navy and yada, yada, doing stuff different. But so then we go over there. It's during the chief season. Go to Vista Point to do PT and run into the exact same <laughs> There is nowhere to park. Now, the parking right at Vista Point is, is open. But when it's chief season and everybody's there, it starts to push over. And then there's a sign, officer parking. Yeah. Officer parking. Um, oh, okay. And that's new to me. I've never seen it before. <laughs> I work over on the submarine side and it's triad and then everybody parks. You park where you park. And... So I don't know where to park. And I just keep driving, driving. I parked on the grass. I was like, I got a less chance of getting towed from the grass than I do from parking in an officer's spot. But Perfect. but anyway, the I don't I don't agree with it. I 100 percent understand triad getting parking. And I made it make sense to me, and I may be way off on this, but I made it make sense to me because if there is any issue situation, the triad needs to be able to get to the ship and they need to be able to have the shortest walk from their vehicle to go and take charge of whatever the situation may be on the ship. And not only that, the triad actually does have to do a lot of business off the ship every day during the workday. So I get that so that they can come and go. But to have all that other reserve parking and all the uh, civilians having reserve spots. I can't get on board with that. And let me tell you about Norfolk Naval Shipyard. Oh my God. It's the worst. (laughs) It's the worst. Taylor parking is all the way in darkest corners. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty scary out there. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. And all the other parking is for the shipyard workers. And we tell ourselves, we tell our sailors, they tell us, you're the customer, blah, blah. We're here for the ship. If it wasn't for the Navy, we wouldn't have a job. They say all those things. And you look at your badge that they issue you and you really, and that's the, it says visitor on the badge. And be treated accordingly. And yeah, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Yep. And again, that that's quality of life, right? With the parking spots. It wasn't bad 12 years ago, the first time I experienced the shipyard because they had buses. And that bus was great. A lot of those buses are gone now, so you're walking. Today, I walked a mile and a half from the barge to my vehicle, one way. Oof. I did Jesus Christ. That's a daily. That's a regular occurrence for our sailors. And that that's just that's just another thing. You can be having the best morning and then you park and walk a mile to get to work. You don't want to be there anymore. 
Yeah, and then I remember back when I was in Newport News doing a pre-con. If you didn't get to work by 4.30, maybe even 5 at the latest. Got to catch a shift change. Right. <laughs> and sleep in your car up until about 6.30, you, you didn't have a parking spot. You had to go, like, get lucky. You had to pray that there was you would find a random spot somewhere. And then pray to God that you didn't get you didn't get towed because if you didn't park in that parking garage, I mean it was wild wild west out there too, right? And then you know they tried their best to come up with like a shuttle and things like that, but I don't have time for that. Like <laughs> I appreciate the gesture, but you know if I'm running late and I need to get there and park and get to work, I don't have fifteen to twenty minutes to wait on the shuttle outside of Kmart to get me the base i don't <laughs> i don't have that luxury and then people with kids right people have to drop people their kids off at a specific time at daycare they can only have 10 to 12 hours based off most daycare so they can't drop them off at 3 30 and then go get a parking spot they can't drop them keep them babies off until you talking about maybe six at the earliest and then they're, they're screwed because there is absolutely no parking at 6 30 uh, in any type of shipyard environment. So, yeah, good luck to them. So then you get to work. They're late. They're getting counseling sheets. Well, I had to drop my kid off at school. You know, and of course, you know, hopefully the chain of command understands that, right? But, you know, all the other sailors are looking like, damn, I got to get here early to park too. So I don't care about your kid. Like, figure it out. <laughs> you know, and then it's just... It just breeds all types of hate and discontent and animosity for no reason, right? And, it, and, to, and to my point about parking, I'm not understanding how security on these bases, right? So I'm going to call out security here. These guys, security on base actually calls these tow companies on sailors on, on these bases and gets these people towed, knowing damn well they're going to have to pay 200 plus to go get their car. Why are we, we doing that to each other? It's not a civilian doing that, right? Or let's say it's not a non-DOD employee doing that. We're doing that to each other. And it's usually base security. They are calling the police on our own people and getting them towed off base because they parking, you know, they're parking illegally, right? But come on, man. Like, there has to be a process. They're ticketed and towed? Come on. There has to be a process in place to ticket, give some type of warning, and then be like, okay, like, hey, I warned you. But there's none of that, at least on Naval Base San Diego. People just get told. The MAs are getting on the phone immediately and getting these sailors told. How can I get the sailor to come to work and focus on what they got to do for the day if they have to get there an hour and a half early, walk a mile and a half, and then still worry about getting told? Like, how do I get my sailors to focus at work if they got to worry about all that from just getting to the ship? Like it's, it's set in my mind. So that brings me to, uh, which is a whole nother conversation. And that's the not my problem mentality, but I won't, I won't go to, uh, <laughs> I won't go too deep into that, but you brought up uh, Huntington English shipyard over in Newport news. And I was there for about a year and the Enterprise was there, and the Ford was there at the same time. It's two oh, big yeah. ships. Mm -hmm. And there were reserve spots by name in that parking garage, the first three decks. That's only a five-deck parking garage. Yeah, yeah. Very familiar where, with that parking garage. Slept many mornings in there. Yes. Where are the sailors parking? They're parking on the street. We have sailors getting mugged. You're, they're running from the homeless people that are all around that base and all the crime that's there. And it's, again, like you said, they're worried about the status of their vehicle and that's impeding performance. Yes, absolutely. And I have no clue when somebody that sits in one of those security offices, one of these captains on one of these bases instead of having security call the tow company on them, says, wait, let's actually do something on the base to provide more parking, right? 
And of course, that's going to cost money, right? Nobody wants to spend money. Everybody act like if the Navy spends money, it's coming out of their personal check. No, somebody go to Capitol Hill somewhere with all these eagles and stars that are working on all these fleet concentration areas and say something to somebody. Like, uh, if I was seeing <laughs> no for the day, like, these are the things I would be definitely bringing up, right? Because everybody's worrying about the ship, right? Or the command or the process, the operations. What everybody is failing to realize is none of that stuff goes without the damn person, the, the sailors. Nobody, these people are so far out of touch. They count them sailors as numbers instead of human beings, right? And that just really upsets me. Anytime at work, anytime at work, we start to categorize people as numbers, I automatically get upset. Oh, we can do that. We're using people as statistics instead of human beings. And that's just something I can't get down with. And parking is just one of those things that infuriates me. All right. You know, I I can't, I can't get over it, but hey, uh, I appreciate you coming on board with us uh, as our other co-host Shannon off on hiatus uh we're gonna close it out here first pilot episode of the one mc demire man you were awesome i appreciate your your feedback i appreciate your opinion your perspective definitely coming from the submarine sub submarina community correct me if i'm wrong how i pronounced that i know some people said a little different that's um, fine <laughs> well i definitely uh appreciate you coming on uh and I just want to make a quick outro. Remember, 90% of the decisions made about you are made when you're not in the room. Treat people well, even if you think they can't do anything for you. Uh, so this wraps up the first episode of the 1MC. More content coming. Make sure you stick with us. Uh, we out.